So welcome to our Friday Five Live podcast hosted by Meg Foster, a first-year experience instructor and academic coach at Piedmont Virginia Community College. And if you have questions or comments during the session, you can share those via chat. And just be sure to select all panelists and attendees so everybody can see your messages. And then I just want to remind everybody that you will all have access to the recording next week. If you're a GoToKnowledge member, you will find this recording on your dashboard, and otherwise it will be emailed to you. And Meg, I will pass it over to you now. Thank you so much. Good afternoon, everybody, or morning for those of you um, who are in different time zones. It's so great to have everybody with us today. Um, we are really fortunate to be joined by Cliff Nelson. And um, before I introduce Cliff, I just want to share um, a reminder. If you're new to Friday Five Live, we love the chat feature. Um, so please do chat in questions or resources that you have to share. And I'll make sure that uh, we include that. Um, Cliff, don't worry, I monitor the chat and I'll leave those into um, our conversation um, today. Um, and just as uh, so a reminder, as Melissa said, please do make sure you use the all panelists and attendees um, on that drop down menu so that everyone can see um, the content and materials that you're sharing with us. I know Melissa is working on uh, making sure we get you out uh, today's PowerPoint. Um, and we've also put in the chat as well, um, link to resources uh, that Cliff is going to share with us um, today too. So we will be I'm sure to, to pass that along. Um, so we are fortunate to have with us today, Cliff Nelson, who is, I hope I have this title right, the Director for Instructional Technologies and Academic Support. Um, at Wichita State um, Tech. Um, and Cliff um, is, began his career um, in the US Air Force. We appreciate your service um, as a, a child from military community. I always have a, a special place in my heart for um, people who have um, served our country. Um, and I really appreciate that, uh, appreciate your sense of humor. It's a fantastic one. Um, and Cliff built on that kind of background in training thousands, it sounds like, of people um, to then move into the world um, of instructional uh, design. And you lead, I believe it's a team of eight professionals. I may have misread my number um, wrong, six, eight, Six, six, six directly, yes. All right. Um, and then you're really working to make sure that um, your institution, um, the content that you're pushing out for students is, is meeting accessibility standards, which is a huge undertaking. Um, and an interesting one, as we talked about, um, given the nature of some of the classes uh, that you're teaching, um, it's, it's not, you know, simply... Um, a history or English class, right, that um, we're putting, uh, making accessible to students. So as always, I've got a lot of questions um, for Cliff um, and make sure you add in your questions um, or comments, any kind of information um, into our chat. Melissa's just um, posted the link to um, today's uh, resources uh, if there are things that you'd like to share with other people. So. Um, Cliff and I were fortunate enough to have, he was kind enough to let me um, chat with him last month before we put together this, this discussion for our Friday Five Live. And I had to share with Cliff that while I've spent, you know, over, gosh, I guess over a decade now teaching online, um, my accessibility knowledge is so limited. I basically said to Cliff, I'm not even sure what to ask you um, as far as um, questions today. And so he was very uh, kind to direct me um, into to some questions that would be helpful for our listening audience. Um, and one of the things we really talked about um, was your philosophy about 
how you work with students and making you know content class material um, accessible. And I just really think that's a great starting point for our conversation today. So I would love it if you wouldn't mind kind of sharing that philosophy with us. Sure, and that, and that, and thank you for the introduction. I, I appreciate that. But you learn a lot over the years about how people are and their strengths and weaknesses, and that's helped us here in the college to understand how to approach certain things about making things accessible for one. But really, our philosophy—it's—it's it's all about the students. You know, the students come first. That's our customer. That's our livelihood. That's that's what we uh, exist for. Is is making the students, we want to level the playing field the best that we can. So every student has the opportunity to learn and grow. And if we can be proactive in making things more accessible to the students so they can learn without any extra help, then we've done our job. The problem becomes is, you know, we, we are in a, a technical environment here at the college and we have a lot of career fields that are, are hands-on. So that really complicates some of the, some of the issues that we may or may not have with accessibility, but it really just starts with the students and we have to start in the, uh, we started on the, in the online environment to uh, make things accessible so that, you know, each student has an equal opportunity to, to learn. And the, the nice thing about this is, is a lot of the stuff that we do for accessibility any student can use. For instance, uh, we're closed captioning videos, which you, you think is a no-brainer, but you'd be surprised how many videos in the educational world weren't captioned. So you could see what the, the instructor was talking about. And then, and you know, Meg, you said something about, you know, you taught for years and years and years and accessibility was just a foreign thing to you. And that's, that's more common than you think. Most people really struggle with the whole idea of accessibility. It's it's a scary thing to think about when you're when you're not informed, when you have when you're ignorant to what's out there. And ignorance is an ugly word, but it's you just don't know. And fear comes from not knowing what to expect or or what you can do. And it's a huge thing for us to try to undertake. And we found as we've learned to train our folks and and looked into what we can do for the students that it's really not as far-fetched as you think it might be. And it's, there's some comfort in doing the, the little things first and, oh, we can do this. And it's really not that difficult and et cetera, et cetera. So our, our approach to this was just, let's, let's focus on what we can do for our students to make sure that we're doing our level best to make the learning environment equal as possible, you know, there's always exceptions to that, but equal as possible for any student that may take that class. And that's kind of where we started from was focusing on the student. And how long has, has your institution been kind of under, uh, undertaking this work um, to, if that makes sense, like how long has this really been a focus of your unit or your department? It's been uh, probably, I think we're in year four, maybe five uh, okay. of, of the whole accessibility thing we we started off with a with a plan we wanted to make sure that we didn't throw everybody to the wolves so to speak uh, and try to say hey you need to make every single thing in your course accessible today i mean that's unrealistic and a little overwhelming you know you do stuff like that then you lose valuable people because they're you know they're, I, i'm out i'm not doing that I'm, i'll go find a job somewhere else and 
and to make sure that we serve our, our, our faculty the best, we, we really chunked all that out. We, we came up with, with a three-year plan. Okay, this is where we want to be in three years. What are the basic things that we want them to learn how to do? What are the basic things in a class that are the most high profile? You know, what can we do in small chunks so that we can train our folks a little bit at a time? And that's kind of how we got started. Our, three, our first three-year plan had, I don't know, seven or eight things on it. And then, you know, we're just getting into our second, third, three-year plan. So we've enhanced some of the stuff we've done already, and now we're adding other things that we've learned over the last three years. Oh, we didn't even think of that. So it, it's funny how you you start to, it's like working on an engine. You get into the engine, and then, oh, I didn't know that was broke too, so now i got to fix that. And so that's kind of how that works. You kind of evolve at that. Well, and that's a, a really lovely segue into kind of our second question, which is that, you know, we, we talked about I mean, I think a really ambitious effort. I've spent time professionally working in a center for teaching and learning where um, that was where the training for all of our faculty came out of. And so, you know, to have this kind of three-year um, approach, um, I think is both very proactive um, and, and, and also ambitious. So kind of tell us what, what was the goal for the first three years and also curious, um, maybe there are folks in the audience who are looking at kind of establishing these sorts of efforts at their own institutions. Was there a reason why three years seemed like the right number? Does that make sense? Like we can do this? Uh, in three I years? can speak to a couple of ways on that. Uh, okay. Originally, the three-year plan was to align what we were doing with an actual lawsuit that was going on at the Wichita State proper. They had a student that um, they didn't not to air their dirty laundry, but it's it's public knowledge really. And uh, they had a student that they didn't accommodate properly and they got sued. And so now they had to do, spend all this money and do all these things to change their whole culture of accessibility at Wichita State. And so us being, we were at uh, WATC is what we were back then, Wichita Area Technical College. And we were in the process of becoming affiliated with WSU, which is which is a great partnership, by the way. And we decided that, hey, we want to be a little bit more proactive and let's put our let's put a plan together so we can meet the basic requirements of of accessibility in a in a in a digital environment. So it started digitally and not in, in a physical classroom for us. Oh. So we chunked all that out and we said, okay, these are the items we think that our faculty can do in the short term over the next three years to kind of meet the requirements of what their lawsuit uh, talked about. And it wasn't all of it, but it was, that was the main driving force of the three years. And now it's just become kind of the standard. We're going to do three-year plans and this is kind of how we do things. And that just became our standard of business. So that's how all that started. And, you know, the, the whole, that's a lot for folks to, what do you mean accessibility? I don't, I don't even know that it's a very scary thing. And for us being able to put a three-year plan together and present that to our leadership and faculty, it, it made a road that was a little bit easier to travel as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, getting on the Autobahn and going down the fast lane and trying to get it all done at the same time. It just wasn't practical and quite frankly, uh, too much. Uh, for our faculty to do all at once. So it was easier to do a little bit at a time. 
little bit at a time. Now, did you already have a team three years ago or four years ago, or did a team have to be assembled? Um, you know, I'm thinking, uh, you know, I work at an institution where we have one instructional designer, for example. So, um, sure. Well, it, it started with our instructional design department or well, instructional technologies department. And we, we just kind of put that together. And then we developed or put together an accessibility committee. And so we took, you know, representative from each of the departments in the college and we assembled those into a team. And that's where we discussed, you know, what's the best way to move forward. And then we would train the, that particular committee on how to do things so that, you know, all 80 full-time faculty and goodness, hundreds of, you know, adjunct faculty had somebody to go to and not just the two or three people on apartment because we just did not have that much time to do that on top of everything else we were doing. So the committee was a huge thing uh, to put that team together and, and they've been fantastic. They, they take care of their own departments for the most part. And so we, we all work as a team and that committee still is functioning today. Some people have changed and we've since hired a, an instructional technologist, which half her job is accessibility. She's the one that runs uh, the accessibility committee. She's the one that kind of spearheads all that. She's the one that keeps us all honest in meetings. Oh, wait a minute. What about accessibility? You know, are you taking care of this? So she keeps us honest and keeps us focused on really what we need to keep in mind with everything that we do. And so every time we do a new program or we're doing something else, she'll chime in, okay, have you thought about accessibility and what, what do we need to do for that? So that, that's a big part of, uh, of that whole process was in hiring somebody to help keep us focused. I mean, I can do it, but I got lots of things to do. Um, many, you know, many different cogs and, and things I need to take care of. And I just didn't have the time to focus all that on accessibility. So that she's been invaluable to this process mm. and, it's been a, it's been great to have her here. How large is your student body? Like when you're thinking about FTE or? I think we're at first uh, we're anywhere from 2,500 to 4,000 right in there. We kind of fluctuate, but it's uh, right around. I think we're in the 3,000, 3,500. Okay. Uh, now. That's a. That's a guess. Don't don't uh, fact check me. I'm not gonna. Okay. We, we won't, I promise. Everyone, that's just a guess. That is not an actual stated um, number. Um, but, and, and this is interesting. So each of the kind of, if I'm understanding each of the academic units and now has somebody who's kind of uh, a trained, right? Who would be, is that kind of the idea first resource um, for any faculty or new hires? Yeah, that, that's really the, their, their first line of defense is their faculty member that's on the committee. And then if it becomes a little bit overwhelming for them, then everybody in my department is, is uh, trained at a much higher level. We do it all the time. It's part of our design work. You know, we're, we're the ones that are, you know, we put together the summer camp that we'll talk about later, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, that All of that is, uh, we're just on a higher level and we do it all the time. So it's second nature for us, just like a Blackboard. You know, we're all use Blackboard all the time where, you know, your adjunct faculty may only get into Blackboard to do certain things once or twice a year. So they, they lean on us for those expertise. So 
that's that's the second line of defense. So they're more of the first tier or the second tier and so forth and so on. But. Okay. And do you all, um, as a Blackboard institution, do you all set up some sort of, and I'm not going to use the right words here because I now work at a Canvas institution, so I can't <laughs> remember all those right um, terminology, but do you have like a common template that all of your online classes or all of your courses now um, utilize or? Yeah, that, that's, that's a great uh, thing to bring up. We that was part of our plan was to have master and template courses so that mm -hmm. uh, when they're designed, they're already accessible and they're already ready to go. And then when they copy the, those masters into their Blackboard courses and Canvas, I'm sure it works the same way, that the accessibility piece is already there. So if they add anything, the faculty member would be responsible for making that additional piece uh, accessible. And we use the Blackboard Ally tool uh, okay. that helps gauge where you are percentage-wise on, on accessibility. So, you know, th those red-green things kind of drive people crazy when they see red. How do I fix this and get make it green? You know, which is a great thing. You know, little right. indicators are, are fun. But. Right. Yeah, I got to um, see that um, in in the rollout stages with Blackboard um, right before our, our system chose to, to move in the direction of Canvas. Um, so Tammy's, we've got several great questions. I'm going to weave these both in, so sure. thank you all. Um, Tammy's asked, what's the name of the tool you use? Um, so I'm not sure if she's referring to the Ally tool in Blackboard. Um, and perhaps... I, I would guess that's what that means. Uh, okay. Tammy can align elaborate on that a little bit, but it's Blackboard Ally. And Ally works with almost any uh, learning management system. Oh, okay. uh, it works in Canvas. It works, I think it even works in D2L. Uh, okay. they, they've really done a great job of Blackboard of incorporating that tool into any LMS. So it's not just Blackboard because it's all, it's about all the students, right? Not just Blackboard students. Right, right. So another great question um, has been asked if you use um, any kind of occupational therapist, physical therapist, speech pathologist to assist with um, accessibility? We haven't been proactive to go consult with them. We're, we're still more in a, in a uh, accommodations phase mm -hmm. and with that particular thing. And that's a good idea to start including those. We, we do talk to, to uh, uh, what's the Envision here in Wichita. We, we talk to them sometimes because they're the experts in accessibility, right? Uh, so we, we engage with them uh, sometimes. So we're, we're still, we have a long way to go, but we have a great structure to, to yeah. move forward with it. Yeah. I, I really love the, the idea of here's what we're going to do for this three years. Here's what we're going to do for the next three years. I mean, I think as a faculty member who finds right, it's overwhelming um, all the many hats that we wear. I think that helps really create that clear pathway to success. So um, we've had another question about, do you use multiple templates? I think meaning um, do each, does each school or college or academic um, division, whatever your titles are there, um, have their own template? So, you know. Um, well, we, we have an overall feel of every course. So when a student goes into any course, it's all structured the same way. Uh, for instance, the syllabus is always in the same spot. You know, their instructor welcomes always in the same spot. They're reading for all those kinds of things. But the, the master courses are really uh, for each course. So you, you, you'll have a different master course for one part of nursing as opposed to a different part. 
I don't know if that answers that question or not, but there, there are multiple masters and multiple templates. What we try to avoid is having multiple templates for the same course because the student experience tends to suffer that way. You have too many different ideas flying around. Right. Right. I know that was um, in my work, we did a lot of surveying of what it was that students needed, you know, as we were making this transition from Blackboard to Canvas and consistency, consistent placement of class items of your, I'm always going to find my syllabus in the same place. I'm always yeah. going to find my assignments in the same place um, was the number one thing. So um, our, our, our chat has said, thank you um, for, for helping to answer that question. And um, just uh, another question, a little bit more about um, um, ally. So it's, is it A-L-L-Y? Am I remembering? Yes, A-L-L-Y. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, um, do you purchase that package to work with an LMS, is it um, a separate contract then um, that an institution uh, would use? Yeah, it's a, it's an add-on. I mean, uh, for us, they just kind of incorporate that in our Blackboard contract, so it's an add-on. Uh, but if you're in Canvas, it's a separate contract, I would guess. I, I don't know how the Canvas piece works, but it's just another thing that you have to go out and find, and they base it on your FTD, FTE, uh, I believe. Okay. Uh, I saw a question there about how Ally works mm -hmm. and what it, what it does is it crawls through your content to see if you have things like, like in a Word document, for instance, it's looking to make sure that you have structure in there like headers uh, and that, that when a screen reader goes through the document that it's going to recognize to get through certain things. Whereas, you know, if you're on the other side of it and you're, you're, you're blind and you're trying to listen to a, a document if there's not headers there and headings, then you have to listen to the whole document. To, if you, you know, you can't skip to the end. Okay. Skip to the next section. That's just impossible because the headers aren't there. So it, it crawls through your content, PDFs, uh, word documents, PowerPoints. It's now looking at uh, actual stuff you can type in blackboard. I mean, they're, they're improving it every day. And so it does more and more and what it does. And it gives you a score based on that. So if it's, it may say it's only 33% accessible and you're gonna have a red or yellow indicator there, which people don't like. So they force kind of <laughs> force you to fix it, right? Uh, but the, but it, it will tell you exactly what's wrong with the document. It could be something as simple as a picture didn't have an alternate you know, description in there. You just had to add the description. This is a picture of, of Pinocchio lying. you know. And so you'd have that as, as a description for the picture. So if you're blind, they can, get an idea what the picture is and if it's even relevant to the conversation. So mm -hmm. it just crawls through your content and gives you a score based on what the standards are out there and what what is known as far as accessibility issues are. So it, it flags it so you can try to correct that to increase the probability of a student being able to get through that document comfortably. <laughs> Awesome. And, and Casey was kind enough to throw the URL in there um, mm -hmm. for um, specifically for Blackboard, but explaining what um, Ally is. So um, we appreciate and, and a lot of um, folks have chatted in that they appreciate all of this information. Um, and kind of the next question, what percentage of your students require accessible or accessibility services at your institution? Uh, I'm not really sure of that number. I know mm -hmm. a lot of people, well, most students won't self-identify to tell you that they have issues. Right. 
you know, so they, and that's another reason to be proactive and making all the accessible content you can, because it benefits everybody. You know, a lot of students don't want to tell you that they're, they have, you know, a disability mm-hmm. or they have a, you know, something that they need extra help with. I mean, we have a small percentage of folks that actually identify and use our disability services office, but I don't know what those numbers are. Sure, sure. This, um, uh, but an important, I'm sh- sure you work, work, work closely um, with those folks. We've talked about faculty. I'm going off script here a little bit, Cliff, sorry. We've talked about faculty development um, and, and preparing you know, course templates um, to help make sure that there's kind of this common standard in training faculty. I'm curious about, you know, as somebody who teaches but also works on the student services side of the house, and you know, so many of us have taken student services online this year in a way that we've not done so in the past. Um, do you work at all, do any training with, with those folks? I'm thinking advisors, financial aid, um, career services to help them create content that's, that's accessible. Uh, we, we do help them, but they're not a targeted group. Our, sure. our first uh, priority has been the students. So the faculty is first, but that, it, that's coming, that, that's gonna be a part of the, you know, well, everybody's always invited to any of the training that we do, whether it's the summer camp or, or Word, you know, how to make a Word document and all that kind of stuff accessible. We, we invite anybody that wants to come to those, but the target group has been the faculty and the adjunct faculty that work directly in the classroom with the students, but the rest of that's coming. In fact, that's part of our next uh, three-year plan is to uh, make sure we're including more of those groups uh, specifically and targeting everybody and not Mm -hmm. just the faculty. So we started with the faculty and it's starting to evolve because this whole thing, whole education is is evolving. It's never, it always changes and uh, we're we're no different with the accessibility piece. We know that it's going to evolve. We know it's going to change and we know that we're going to have to adjust on the fly even sometimes to meet the needs of uh, like the pandemic, you know, Right. How how does right. that change education? You know, we've had to do a lot of adjusting over the years. So, and that um, again, I'm going to go off script um, because another question that that I personally have is, um, you know, having worked with faculty development, there's always that push pull between what can we make mandatory, um, especially when we have huge adjunct populations, and I work at institutions that have equally large adjuncts um, pools. Um, so curious, have you incentivized your, your training approaches or are you requiring it? Kind of what's been your institution's approach to getting buy-in? Uh, that's a good question. And there's a couple of things I can speak to with that. Uh, one, our full-time faculty, it's easy to make mandatory right. because they're, they're getting paid no matter what they're doing. Uh, the adjunct faculty, they, they have been paying them to come in for the training, uh, but that's a big population and we can't require them to do it unless we pay them, of course. But with that said though, we, we do have our own WG Tech course standards that must be followed, whether you, if you're gonna teach for the institution and a lot of accessibility stuff's included in that. So that, that's kind of the catch all that we have to cover ourselves, so to speak, with our adjunct faculty that we have those WG Tech course standards that must be followed. If you're if you're going to teach for this institution, and so that's that's really kind of how we get them to okay come to the training. You know, we offer the summer camp. You know, those kinds right. of things. 
Right. Well, that seems like a nice opportunity for us to 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 jump to sharing with us about um, your accessibility summer camp. Um, so I'm just totally intrigued by this, having attended all kinds of trainings that were all over the place and often super disjointed. Bless the folks who were pulling them together. Um, so love this idea. Wonder how it, how did you how did it come to be? What's kind of on tap for the summer? Um, and we'll make sure we pop into if it, um, Cliff has said it's okay for us to share this resource with you all. Um, and um, so we'll make sure we put that um, in the chat for folks too. But uh, love to hear about. I'm a huge proponent of summer camp, so I'm excited to learn about yours. Okay, well, let me give you a little story on that. Part of our, our three-year plan, our first one was to give faculty the opportunity if they wanted to be proactive, to have a one-day training that covers everything that, that's required over the three-year plan in one day. And that's a huge day for them. You know, so they our first one was, it was literally session after session in one room, sitting there listening to somebody train you on the basic things and what happened with the summer camp and it was just called summer camp and it was just for our faculty we were going to do it just for us and and forgive me my folks they've heard this story many times but um we have uh, there was another small conference that we, we get involved in the blackboard kansas users group mm. and some of the people that were involved with that we got to talking at that small conference one day about what we were doing about accessibility and and that group said, well, hey, can we join join you guys for that day? And, and then, oh, sure, yeah. So, and then we opened it up. And that first year, I think we had 80 some odd people there uh, from different places. It wasn't a big, huge thing, but uh, we learned that having this sit in one spot all day long, you know, listen, speak after speaker was really taxing on us. And so we learned a, a big lesson there. And so, after that, we decided the next year, well, how about we just open it up to the state of Kansas for the most part? And let's just, anybody who wants to come listen to this training are more than welcome to come. So it started to grow from there. And, and then the next year it got bigger and the next year it got bigger. And the next thing you know, we're, we're being solicited by folks to, hey, can we, we want to do this? And we, we don't have a shortage of volunteers to, to present. And so we've done our level best to try to keep it as, as low cost as possible for, for folks that want to come because our philosophy really is, is we don't want you to have an excuse not to get this training to benefit the students. Right. And so that's kind of been our philosophy about trying to keep it free. It may not always be free, but right now it is. So take advantage of it while you can, uh, while it's still free. Uh, but I I don't want anybody to have the excuse of we just didn't have the money in our budget to learn about this important thing that really affects everybody. Right. And that's, that's my driving force with that. You know, I, I get a little bit of, Hey, we should start charging. We should start charging. Uh, uh, but you know, we're, we're working through that. It may, it may come to that because it may get uh, big enough to where we just can't afford mm -hmm. to do this on our own. Uh, and that's why we have sponsors and, and we'll always take sponsors if anybody wants to, uh, get involved with there's my plug for sponsorship there you go um, so that's how summer camp kind of came about and we've expanded it this year we have i think well one our keynote is is the disability services guy from google uh christopher patno what a great uh, opportunity for us to learn from such a big institution that that's all they think about over there is 
making things accessible for everybody so they can expand their brand, right? So uh, what a great opportunity. He's doing that for us for free. So that's that's a great thing. It's a good uh, feather in his hat as well. Yeah. So, but with that also we have, I think there's 25 separate breakout uh, sessions so that and it's a ver very diverse set of topics this year. So I'm really pleased with the, the set of uh, uh, presentations that we have. Uh, these people volunteer their time from all over the world. Again, we've gone global. Awesome. <laughs> we've got folks from uh, Europe and uh, well, we have folks from Canada. We've got folks from Europe. We've got uh, from some folks from Australia, uh, just everywhere. And, and as a matter of fact, a couple of our presenters are in Australia. So they're going to be presenting at like one in the morning, you know, where they are, but uh, it, it's growing. It just, what that tells me is the importance of accessibility and that what we're doing is the right thing. And that we continue to do this, people are going to respond to it and we can make the best thing that we can do uh, for everybody is just uh, the big thing is a, for summer camp is awareness, education, and showing you how to do it and that it's not that tough uh, to make things accessible. And, um, the other big part of the summer camp is the student panel that we have at the end, which has been, become very popular. We have students that, act, you know, that have disabilities that we, we put them on a panel. We moderate that. We ask them questions and we open up uh, the to the audience for them to ask questions to these students uh, to ask them how they're doing. Uh, this year, we have a faculty member that's got some physical disabilities that's going to be on the panel to talk about what his limitations are in, in teaching with, with you know, one leg, so to speak. So we're muscling into the actual physical disability in the classroom as well. What can we do to, to accommodate that and make sure that we're making the classrooms accessible as well? So we're excited about that, and, but that's a that's a great way for us to wrap up the day is the student panel, student faculty panel, which has become very uh, people love that. We've got great comments uh, for that. Oh yeah, uh, you know that really ties into I feel like the theme for this year, Cliff, and all the conversations that I've gotten to have with amazing um, folks from all over the country. It's really been this idea of listening and how are we listening to what our students' needs are and. Uh, making sure that that we're acting on that. Um, what are the dates of, um, I'm meant to look that up and have that. Uh, the summer camp, your, it's one yes. day. It's the 18th of June of this year. And it's a, it's all virtual this year. We're hoping to open it back up next year and have a hybrid. So if you want to come on site, you can come on site, but all the sessions would be recorded. So you know, we encourage you to attend a live session because it's always better to be in the live session where you can ask questions. Uh, but all the sessions will be recorded and we'll have them put up on our website, uh, you know, a couple of weeks after that, because we have to make sure we caption everything properly and everything. So if you if there's a session that you want to see and there's two at the same time, go see one. We'll have the other one up on the, on the website the recording after a few weeks. Awesome. And Casey's put into the chat June 18th, 8 to 4.30 Central Time, and you've got the URL. So um, if you're like me, I know it's on my calendar because um, I'm excited to, to get to participate and learn. Um, we have just about 10 minutes to kind of wrap up. And, and I think a nice um, sort of a question before um, we, we get to those in the chat. So feel free to continue um, putting in those questions to us. You know, you, you spoke about 
that you have these trained faculty who are sort of your first um, line of defense, so to speak, um, in, in developing content. Um, but I know we've talked about the training that um, your team has gone through. And um, I'm always, I learned so much um, and I've learned so much, I feel like this year about different resources um, around um, creating content that's accessible. So are there any particular, clearly we all should come to summer camp June the 18th, but outside of that, are, are there certain organizations that you're like, oh, you know, this is a great one to join. Um, we would really encourage you to consider um, doing training through, um, I, I don't know, the Online Learning Consortium. I'm just pulling out a name um, there. Uh, there's lots of different ones. I mean, we, we're affiliated with a bunch of different ones. Uh, I know that uh, Quality Matters was, was a big piece for us to analyze. I mean, if you've been through that whole program of quality matters, you know that's very intense. It's very high level thinking. It's critical thinking. So you really analyze everything that you look at with quality matters. It's always good to have those certifications to give you the toolkit to know what to kind of look for uh, when you're looking at courses. So, And we're also involved with the Online Learning Consortium. We, we actually use their uh, standards and built upon those to build our standard of, you know, our WTEC course standards that our instructors have to follow. So we, we use their model because it wasn't so intense. It was a little more, you need to do this and this is how you do it or, or whatever. So that was easier for us to sell to our faculty, but we always encourage the quality matters piece just because of the high level of uh, critical thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, and so quality matters becomes our gold standard and the OLC becomes our standard, if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, but on top of those for accessibility, we're involved with or part of the Association of Higher Education and Disability AHEAD. Some of you have been there, but uh, they have a lot of resources that you can use, and it's aheead.org. Association of Higher Education Disability. So we're involved with them. We're also uh, use and Wichita State proper, the Kansas Accessibility Resource Network, KSARN. That's K-S-A-R-N.org. Uh, they have some great resources in there. Our keynote from a couple years ago, uh, uh, Cindy Rowland from WebAIM, Web Accessibility in Mind, and that's W-E-B-A-I-M.org. They're out in Utah, fantastic people. Uh, Great keynote. I mean, brought her here in Wichita. Was on, and she did a great job. It was two years ago. And then, uh, of course, we we have our our own accessibility committee. And then, if anybody wants to get involved with planning or being a part of putting together our summer camp, they're always welcome to join our uh, accessibility summer camp planning committee because uh, we we do a lot of talking about what what what's coming and what we need to do and. And that's a great group of folks uh, from all over the state of Kansas. And we welcome anybody to be a part of that as well. Um, great, um, thank you for all of that. And I appreciate Casey putting in some um, additional uh, links for us too. Is, um, and I think it's also, you know, in my limited experience, sometimes they're state or regional, like I know AHEAD has, you know, I think state organizations too, which might be just kind of a good starting point if um, to kind of network locally 
um, with other institutions. Uh, we've had the request again, I'm putting in our chat again, the, the webpage um, for summer camp. So uh, thank you, Cliff, those are all fantastic. And I, if, if you're not familiar with Quality Matters and the Online Learning Consortium, you know, I do encourage everyone to, to go check out their websites. Um, and I like the way you explained that, that there's sort of this gold standard and this standard, because um, those are complex and complicated. Um, and, and I really appreciate both of those different approaches to how to develop, um, you know, content for online learning. And I know the Online Learning Consortium um, speaks to providing student services um, online as well and sort of those sorts of standards if, if my memory serves. So helpful for those of us who are on the um, student services side of the house um, as well. Other, um, other questions from our audience as we have just a few minutes um, to get to wrap up with Cliff. Um, oh, and Gerald, thank you and for telling me that Quality Matters also has similar standards as, uh, for our student services folks. Um, Nancy has a question. Um, and that question is, do you or your instructional technologist have a checklist you use or give out to faculty to use when making content accessible or creating the content? So is there sort of a checklist that, that you all have? Uh, there is, but we we put together uh, like uh, supplemental training videos and, and resources that they can come back and visit if they need to learn about stuff that they've already learned or need to ref, you know, refine their own skills or whatever. We, we, uh, we have a lot of resources that are available to them too. And we're still building that as, as we go through each three-year plan, you know, we're putting together even Blackboard courses or are using things like uh, Adobe, uh, captivate to walk them through the processes so that they can learn how to do that stuff but we constantly provide training and they know they can call us at any time to kind of do that but yeah they they have checklists and and different things that they can use to help them identify what they need to change and and blackboard ally really does a lot of that for us <laughs> it shows them hey this thing is red you need to find a way to to uh, remediate this so it's accessible and another nice thing about Ally, just to put another plug in for them, is it gives you instructions on how to fix that stuff, not just identifying it, but it shows you steps on how to fix that stuff or where to go to learn how to do it. It's a very comprehensive uh, piece of software. It's been fantastic. And it also gives us overall uh, numbers on how the college is doing as far as accessibility goes. What's our percentage overall? which departments are kind of lagging behind and what particular documents or pieces of you know, like PDFs, you know, they, those can be very difficult to make accessible if you don't do it the right way, so to speak. So it helps us identify problem areas so we can focus on, okay, our training this next semester needs to be more on this. So we uh, train them and give them supplemental information on how to remediate that stuff. So that doesn't continue to be a, a red flag and drive them crazy. Right, right. And that's really, um, that's so helpful that, that there's the, that built in training piece, but then also that sort of data collection point, because I know that can be very complicated, um, understanding where it is that uh, we need to build in resources and training. Um, Casey was nice enough to put in um, the link, it looks like to um, some accessibility uh, resources for faculty that you all use. Um, so just one, it looks like one last question. Um, somebody wanted some clarification. I think with the 
organizations that you were speaking to, um, there was one that was maybe based out of somewhere on the West Coast, and it was Web. I think Web, it was WebAIM. That's a that's the one out in Utah. Okay. I'll put it in the chat here. Thank you. It's called Web Accessibility in Mind. WebAIM.org. They have great resources out there. That's a good group of folks. Awesome. Well, Cliff, I just want to say thank you so much. I've learned an incredible amount um, from just our time together and our conversation. Um, and and it's it's comforting to know that you know other institutions are grappling with how do we prepare all of faculty and eventually our staff um, to make sure that I, I like your your approach was let's let's make sure when we talked um, you were said you know let's just make sure that our content from the beginning is accessible. Let's not retrofit it. Let's just um, have that be our standard uh, moving forward. So I really love um, the approach that you all have had um, kind of chunking out. This is what we're gonna accomplish this year as far as training and next year. Um, and I really appreciate your philosophy as well. So thank you so much. Um, lots of folks are saying, uh, appreciate the information and the time um, that you've shared with us today. And I definitely echo that as well. So um, thank you, you, Cliff. We, I know we'll see many many of us, I think, um, in summer camp together this summer. Yeah, I hope everybody comes. It's such a, such a great day. Uh, I saw a comment in there, is there 25 breakout sessions for one day? And we actually have three general sessions and three breakout sessions. So there's about seven or eight breakout sessions at the same time. So you'll have to pick based on whatever track that you're interested in. Uh, so there's seven or eight breakout sessions at one time. So again, you pick the one that you want to go to, and then you can watch the recordings of the other ones later. But yeah, it's it's a busy day, and we try to offer as much as we can. And uh, all sessions will be actually captioned. Awesome. So, oh, that's wonderful. Stuff. So we will make sure that we all rest up June the 17th, so we are ready to learn on June the 18th, and know that we will collapse on June the 19th, as I'm sure you and your team will um, as well. I hope you get to take a, a well-deserved break. So, so thank you again, um, folks who are listening in. We're going to make sure we bundle up all of these resources um, and get them out to um, everyone, and they'll be available on our website. And if you found today's conversation to be a helpful one, um, feel free to subscribe to our podcast, Friday Five live, which you can find um, on all major podcasting um, networks and um, share this resource with others. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks with Maria Poindexter to kind of continue this conversation about accessibility um, as we look at um, equity and access um, in, our, in our learning environments. So Cliff, thank you again. Everyone have a wonderful weekend. Thanks.